Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Food in the Hood. In this episode, we are featuring the part one of our discussion on how to be a good researcher, and we'll have a following part two on the same topic. Enjoy. And then we're back with another episode of Food in the Hood. Yep, that's right. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about、um, a topic that's very near to our heart. For at least the last two years, and it's research. <laughs> so, for newer listeners who don't know, Ben and I were both master students. Well, he was; he just graduated. I still am a master student. So, for the past two years of our lives, we have been steeped in the world of academia and research. And you know, we talk about it a lot. Like, what is research? What makes a good researcher? And we thought this could be a really fun episode to share with you guys. Oh yeah, so we have a we have a very great name of our episode <laughs> called "A Whopping Four Years of Combined Research Experience,"、right. <laughs> and this is this is very extremely junior people、oh, trying、yeah. to comment. We are not PI overall researchers. We are not postdocs. We are not <laughs>、right. PhD students. We did a little bit、There's、of undergrad、no、research, but that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, there's no doctoral degree involved、yeah. in this talk. <laughs> so you're looking at research through very fresh eyes.、Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a great way to brand it. Yep, and I think、uh-huh. you know definitely people who have done it for twenty thirty years, like some of our professors, will have a different look at it.、Um, oh yeah, we I think our stuff is like a step above Wikipedia level. <laughs> With like real life experience, real life anecdotes, yes. Right. Okay.、Um, we really don't have much to follow up.、Yeah. Life has been just life. Right. In a yeah, in this summer. So I guess we're gonna And, jump straight、uh, straight into it then. Yes. Yeah. So first of all, let's talk about what's a good research question. Right.、And、Or essentially, where it starts. Right. And essentially, you know, when you're conducting research, you're trying to. Understand something,、um, you're trying to answer a certain question, right? Yes. So formulating an appropriate research question, I think, might be one of the hardest thing to do. Yes. Well, I think this is essentially you need to be very sensitive and very observatory. Is that a word? Observant. Like, observing your your your. Surroundings and your 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 area and related area, right? To be able to ask questions. Yes, and I think that's why、right. when you're starting out as a junior researcher, knowing, you know, having the right people around you who are more senior, people who are intimately familiar with their field is really important because you want to, you know, when you're de- deciding on a research question, you don't want it to be too broad, you don't want it to be too specific, you want to answer、mm-hmm. a question that is, you know. Um, that there's some basis for it already, but also something that is new. So there's a lot of fine intricacies that you have to navigate.、Um, yeah, and essentially, well, when you just start, you don't, you don't just straight go into your your own research question. Right, right. You're like an apprentice, kind of working with your PI.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, on a topic that might be. Might be out there for many years, right? Right. Like has been has been in the raw form, like unstructured form for for a long time, maybe in the mind of the PI. But you're basically as a student doing the last step、mm-hmm. of fine tuning this question to the practical level that you can 
actually get something meaningful out right. of it. Right. It's not going to be a totally novel and groundbreaking piece of research. Not necessarily. Right. It, it could become that. Um, but mm-hmm. I think usually when people start out, it's with a smaller scope of a topic. And speaking to yes. that, I think it's important to find a good PI because not all PIs realize that, you know, two years for a master's or like five or six years for a PhD, you know, you really have to fit the research question to the right time frame as well. Because I have yes. seen so many instances of students who are undertaking a project that is much larger than their the, the length of their degree. And that can be really yeah. detrimental, right? Well, well yeah, because essentially graduate school in general is a, is a time contract. Right. Right. There, there, there is an end. Regardless how you end it, mm-hmm. there is an end. Yeah. And, and you, need a, you need to be a little bit more incremental. Uh, what to do and how to do it. Right. And I think it's important to realize, like, you might have a question, like an overarching mm-hmm. question, but a lot of times you may only be able to answer a part of it. And then, you know, later right. on, some other students who come in after you will be able to build upon it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And have you seen that meme with, you know, a five-year PhD? So first-year PhD versus fifth-year PhD. Uh, so so there there's a... Uh, on the x-axis is time uh-huh. on the y-axis is like research expectations mm-hmm. so it starts with you know year one phd of like you know I, i'm gonna graduate and win a nobel prize <laughs> and second was like publishing like a glamour journal publishing nature third, yeah, yeah yeah third year is like being recognized just in the um like the local academic society <laughs> the fourth year was some something like being able to present in you know like a conference in rural kansas <laughs> and the fifth year was like hope they have like pepperoni pizza at the conference or something <laughs> yeah your, your expectations gradually decrease <laughs> yeah right right because um, i think I and we'll talk funny. about this a little bit on later as well when we talk about setbacks but that's really true you know uh-huh, Sometimes right. when you so, aim for the sun and you only hit like 500 feet above ground, <laughs> like uh-huh, yeah, you really right. learn to readjust your expectation and, you know, detach uh-huh. outcome from everyday achievements. Yeah. But uh, we'll go into that a so, little bit so later, good, too. So a good research question needs to be fitting. Yes. Fitting to the researcher. Yes. Because like, if you're, say, if you're DJ McClemens, oh. you're probably <laughs> asking a research question that are fitting to your capability definitely yeah right so so this this goes along with there's no absolute scale of good research question Mm -hmm. it serves the goal that needs to be addressed right that time space momentum yeah yeah so you know i really Uh think it's a two-factor problem um there's the first part of you know a research question needing to address something that is important in a field um, that needs answering Mm -hmm. and then there's also the other part like you said which is your lab should have the capability to answer that question be it through background knowledge or even just having the instruments to run what you need to run right Right, a chemical right, right. analysis lab is gonna not going to do uh, 
a lot of micro-heavy research. They might partner up with someone who does that, but it's important、mm-hmm. to recognize those capabilities because I have talked to PhD students who are doing, you know, they might be in like a six-people lab and they're the only person in the lab doing something completely different from everyone else, completely outside what their PI's yeah, that, field of knowledge、sucks. is, and they're just struggling, like. They are in、uh-huh. like their seventh year, and they're like, I don't know why I did this. Right, but but see, this is this is sort of a two way、um, misunderstanding or mismatch in the relationship、mm-hmm. because essentially the it's not a wrong question or it's not a bad research question. Right, it might be a very interesting project to do,、mm-hmm. but when you ask the question, they are associated. Factors that you need to consider to formulate, so you can't be really ide- I- I- being very ideal about it. You need to have some realistic thinking of how to do it as something that that are more approachable,、mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And actually, I want to share this、um, this quote from John Tukey. He is a.、Um, we're gonna have a few quotes. <laughs> In this episode, we curated、right? a few quotes, a lot from your、right. your previous undergrad PI. Right, right, right. And so John Tukey, he he is a very famous statistician, right? People probably know know the best of his、uh, Tukey HSD test. Oh yes. Right. So he said in one of his publications, maybe in the sixties, that、um, far better an approximate answer to the right question. Which is often vague, than an exact answer to the wrong question, which can always be made precise.、Mm-hmm. Meaning that it's really easy, or it's really fulfilling to find exact answers. Right. But that answer might be to a wrong question or to a non-fitting question.、Mm-hmm. But an an approximate answer is just. Maybe a tiny step to the right direction、mm-hmm. could be enough for for answering a right question. Right, like you want to be working towards something that is meaningful. Yes. Rather than have that like fake sense of certainty and security over answering something、yes. very exactly, but you know ultimately has no、mm-hmm. real effect. Right. So we, I think we should say this up front: is that a good research question is the foundation. And you need to recognize these questions that are meaningful to、uh, the field, meaningful to other fields in research, and meaningful to in general to society.、Mm-hmm. And I think But, that's also、uh, go on. Yeah, well, I, I'm just gonna add that it also needs to be realistic. Yeah. Right, because because like Tuki said, it can't be just an approximate answer, a, a vague answer. Doesn't have to be a hundred percent certain、mm-hmm. for one answer. You can have multiple answers for one right question, and gradually you will stack up, right, to the right direction. Research is a lot of it; it's cumulative. So you could be,、yeah. you know, building one step of a giant staircase, so that other people、mm-hmm. can continue on it after you. And I think that also really highlights the the importance of、um, of lit review. <laughs> Yeah. Like if I could go back and redo my two years of grad school, I would definitely, definitely do a lot more lit review up front because I think it's important to see what others have done before you, and、mm-hmm. you know, instead of doing a lot and then oh, 
um, I have to write my thesis. I should probably start lit review now. Like that, that right, I think right, right. it's good to start and you know with lit review and have that background knowledge of what has been done, what hasn't been done, what is worth doing, and what has other what mistakes have others made before me, so I don't repeat the same thing, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 and you know all that combined would have um, would would have lead to somewhat a good research question. Right, for sure. Or, or at least can you eliminate some bad research questions? Oh yeah, yeah. I think I was lucky. Uh, or non non fitting research. Right, questions. right. I was lucky、uh, in the sense that my PI sort of had a few good research questions in mind、um, that he told me about. But you know, if you are in a situation where you have to come up with your own research question, I think it's so paramount to be able to. It's so paramount to have all of that background knowledge before you decide on something. Um, right, and I guess that、Definitely. also leads to our following topic, which is skills. So we talked about what makes a good research question, but what makes a good researcher? Well, so we had some, 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 some brief writings here. Um, say for example, formulating the question and technical skills,、mm-hmm. and a lot of soft skills,、um, which we actually have been. Touched on in you know previous episodes in our grad school series, right? Yeah. So,、um, why don't we just pick a few and talk about it? Sure. In like during research, once you have that question and you're physically in lab or out on the field, what would you do to to achieve it? I think a huge thing is time management, especially if you work、okay. on、um, the. Bio side of things, you need to really prepare and know how long things will take. Because I know this is speaking of your yes <laughs> real real time experience, right? There a lot of time in experiment is spent waiting, right? So if you can plan it out properly, you、mm-hmm. can get a lot more done in a day. And you know, ag- growing culture on agar plates take time, right? Sending things to genomic center for sequencing takes time, etc. So budgeting for that time. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's really important to make sure you're not wasting any time. Every hour in the lab is precious.、Um, right. Yeah. That's exactly. And you also need to have good skills,、mm-hmm. technical skills, which can be、uh, part of it. Is actually budgeting time. I think it's a great skill to have. Yeah. You need to you need to manage your own lab work, and. At the same time, you you want to do them right.、Mm-hmm. Right, there are certain skills that requires practice, and certain skills that require background knowledge of how to operating. Right, right. Like if you、and、know that you have to use the HPLC、uh, in a month, it might be good to start asking lab members for help way before because they are busy as well. Right. So having that background、yes. knowledge of how to operate instruments, you will need. Uh, and then technical skills in terms of even simple things like pipetting, there's a lot of pipetting tips and tricks that you don't really know until you start doing it a lot. When you have to process thousands of samples, and you're like, "Oh,、right. I can do that." <laughs> yeah. So this is actually very, very, very practical,、mm-hmm. and, and this this seems very. Easy and obvious, right? Like for people who are not in research, when they see this, like, aren't you supposed to be good at pet petting? Because <laughs> th- that's like the 
that's like the one public image of researcher right. is to pipette. pipette something into like an appendage. Oh my god! Yes, and classic. Put it into the centrifuge. Oh yeah. <laughs> Right. That is so us. This is what people do, and <laughs> but but again, that requires skills, right? A good researcher would do them right and do them in a fairly energy-saving way. And you have to be consistent as well. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, and this is this is really interesting um, to think about. You know, in retrospect, once we have done all these, it kind of become a given. Mm-hmm. But really, it, it was a lot of time and energy spent. To get to the level, right, right, yeah. I,、uh-huh. I like for instance, when you're pipetting, there are certain solvents like chloroform that just doesn't do well with pipetting, and you know, yeah,、um, you have to kind of modify your pipetting technique to get them right.、Um, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. If there's different types of pipettes, there's air displacement pipettes, there's positive displacement pipettes, etc.、Mm. So I think even even things like weighing something on a scale. So for part of、oh, my、yeah. project, I had to weigh a really really tiny amount of product、um, onto、uh-huh. into like very small glassware. And for、yeah. the longest time, I was having so much trouble because things will stick to the outside of the glassware. There will be static, and you know when you're dealing with small amounts of sample, that can really be a huge problem. And then、mm-hmm. someone else、um, from Peterson's lab, actually Jeff Debrell, shout out to you. <laughs> He showed me that there's such a thing called an anti-static gun.、Um, uh huh. Have you used one? I don't. I can't imagine what it is. Yeah, but, but it's、it. literally like a tiny gun that you point at your glassware. You just like shoot it a couple times, and then it re- removes static electricity from the surface, so that when you're、uh, weighing things, it's a lot more accurate. Like I didn't even know、yeah. these things existed. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's very. That's funny. I exactly right. That that comes with skills and. Really, re- when you're doing research, this is also you need to have a network and resources. Yeah. For you to leverage and to have all these available information. Definitely, you. like you know,、uh-huh. knowing people from other labs are so important. Not just for like、yeah. the technical knowledge that they sometimes they'll be like, oh, you're doing it that way. Hey, there's actually a faster way to do it. Or they could even be you know lending you equipment. I know I've borrowed liquid nitrogen on a whim from different labs.、Um, so it's、yeah. important to have those relationships. Mm-hmm. No. And this isn't, you, you know, for any type of job. Yeah. That you need a set of skills, and we're just highlighting the skills that you might want to have for uh for working in research.、Mm-hmm. Right, and, and a lot of them are transferable. You can use it for other stuff, um, doing say, running a business or um, teaching or any other job.、Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what's kind of different is that. The, in research, not all research is successful. Oh, I would say most of it is not. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so, so perseverance and knowing when to stop or to give up. Yes. It's um. It's something. It's something. I guess we can talk a little. Yeah, for sure. And、uh-huh. you know, we both of us used to have a professor that we worked with. Um, called Gary Renacious, Renacious. I never really know how to pronounce it. Renacious. Renacious. But he、uh-huh. is great. We love him, and、uh-huh. uh, he. I don't remember this, but Ben remembers this. <laughs> he he used. To... Well, I don't think this is word for word, but this, okay. I think this is in the context what he meant. Yeah. What is it? 
Okay, so Gary once told me that um, so there's no need to replicate the some so there's no need to replicate something that didn't work. You should at least change something and try it again. So this is more at the early stage of, for example, figuring out a method or getting something. Um, you you know just trying something proof of concept. See if some of your own method or developed uh, procedures would work. Uh, you can easily judge it by some criteria. Yeah. But um, at this try try and error stage it's not very um it's it's not as wise to um to do it uh over and over right right rather you you want to incrementally change it i guess it doesn't really fit very well in in this context of perseverance because really a lot of time you're not you need perseverance for your research question Mm -hmm. but you need to be flexible for your um your techniques that perseverance is for the ultimate goal, right? But when it yeah, comes yeah. to day to day, if something doesn't work, just praying and then trying it ten more times, you know, that might not be the best strategy. If there is something else, you can you can maybe tweak something and see if it works. Right, right, right. And this tweaking involves a lot of experience. Right. Right. How to tweak might you might you might recall recall something from the past, and trying to achieve something similar. Right, right. So mm-hmm. I guess like there, there is that fine line, right? Some things you just have to persevere with. Mm-hmm. Um, like when it comes to you know, let's just say finishing your research degree. Like, it, it, the entire academic experience requires a lot of perseverance, just because right. a lot of times things just don't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the HPLC HPLC machine might be down. You know, you might be waiting for supplies to arrive. You might have tried something like. 10 different times of different variables changed, but it still doesn't work. And I think when we say perseverance, we mean not giving up straight away. Because I think a lot of people who make it into grad school and academia, there are people who have been good at school their whole life. These are people who have probably never scored a C or a D in their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so they, they expect things to, like they expect if I put in X amount of effort, I should be rewarded with Y amount of results. See that's that's something we I think we've talked briefly in the past about yeah. you know, the difference between undergrad and graduate school. Yeah. Um th- this is yeah this is just another perfect situation for it. Right. So like uh, having the perseverance to not take it personally and not take it too hard. I think that's uh-huh. what we mean when we say perseverance. But there's yes. also a line, right? If you've been trying something for over a year, or two years in your PhD program and it's just not working out, you know, Mm -hmm. it might be time to try a different direction. Yes. And and at the young and junior level researcher for for these type of people, this is when you need to communicate with your senior advisors. Right. Have a conversation. Because because it shows a lot of characteristic at first to be... um, persevering but over time um there there should be um you you know there there should be solutions it can't be always problematic right um and it's sometimes it it's not a it's not like a deal of working harder 
Mm-hmm. It's more because like, most grad students work pretty damn hard. So sometimes yeah, it's not yeah, even <laughs> an issue. It's not an issue anymore of you not working hard enough or not putting enough hours. Sometimes it's just maybe this is not something that we're capable of doing right now. Mm-hmm. There might be right. other advancements in technology or other fields before we can answer that question. So there's a lot of factors, right? And it's mm-hmm. important to not take it too personally and to know when no. to move on. I wouldn't. Yes, there's nothing. So this is another thing. I feel if you can separate your own success, your 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 success and failure. I don't know how to like the honor of getting success or your competitiveness. Right. Right. Out of your reach. Did we talk about this? I feel like it's so familiar. I, we might I have like spoken、did. about it、yeah. in our personal conversations a couple、okay. of times. Okay, so we're we're just repeating ourselves at this yeah. point. Like, well, I'm sure some people、in. haven't heard about this part yet. So yeah, yeah. So if you can separate, let, let's just say it again,、uh, <laughs> completely. Right. <laughs> so when you are, I think you said that in a past episode. I want to separate out the the success and failure from、mm-hmm. your research. Research、right. is just research, and it is it is sort of a fact.、Mm-hmm. I think I think your one of your you probably say this will better to me. I think you used the example from your friend or someone. Oh, I did. I honestly don't recall who, because、okay. a lot of them have like similar stories. Similar stuff. Okay, yeah. yeah. We might have to cut this part out. I don't know. Yeah, yeah.、Uh-huh. No, but you know, it is. It is. Hey, 其实我们说到这个部分，我们还要说下面那个 constant setback 吗？你看到我 highlight 的那个部分 ？Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think this is. 我们可以就提一下吧。啊，好，行。Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, knowing when to give up that's important too, and I think. One really, really crucial point is being able when you once you've done all your research, you've gotten your results.、Um, mm-hmm. Being able to communicate that result and especially the significance of your work is really, 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 really important. Yes, because ultimately you, research you don't get a lot of success. Right. So when it does、success. work, when it's great, <laughs> like sell it, market the hell out of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think you know when we do research, a lot of it is,、um, you know, we do it alone. So we might consult with our PI, we might ask lab members for advice. But when you're doing it, a lot of it is time spent alone, and not necessarily time spent for communicating with others. So I do feel this with myself too. When it comes to communicating the result, sometimes I feel that my skill has atrophied because I don't use that part of my brain as much. Mm. Um, but See, I think ultimately, I think you need to practice. You, you need to practice along the way, not、yes. when you success. Oh, that's what my current manager tells me too. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Like I spent. I I know my personality, and this is something that I need to work on. But、uh-huh. I know personally, I spent too much time thinking and working and. You know, creating results that I don't step back and think about. Okay, what is the significance? How does this result tie into why this work is meaningful? Why is it important? What does it mean for our shareholders? You know,、mm-hmm. what does it mean for the long term? How does it fit into you know our company or whatever's vision?、Right. And I think the same thing happens in academia. You need to tie it back. You need、mm-hmm. to really communicate to other people why it's it's important because a lot of times, like research is great. We like it. But it's still tied to dollar, dollar money. <laughs> Definitely, yes. Right. 
So if it's a company, it might be getting funding, but in academia, it's the same. You know, mm -hmm. if you need another round of funding to do similar research, you need to show why it's important. Yes, and I I think especially writing, it it's very 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 important in 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 terms of working in science, right? In working research because um, Cindy Tone is is a professor in horticultural science in University of Minnesota. She once said that you know people don't realize how much science is writing, mm -hmm. and this is essentially true for almost all the steps involved in research. Right. Right. So how do you ask a question? You need to define it to understand the background. Essentially, you have to structureize all this information into a mm -hmm. coherent document. Right. And it's normally. A grant proposal or some kind of project overview. Yeah. Right, and then this is when you just to communicate the question, but then you need to keep going on, write up everything you did, and then describe all your results and explain why the result, what all of your results are um, meaningful or significant in in what what kind of way. Mm-hmm. And this this entire process is based is done by writing. Yeah, you can talk about it in professional meetings, but sort of the permanent way of your research outputs are living in the form of writing. That's true, and mm -hmm. you know, with communicating or when you're doing an oral presentation, there's always the chance for correcting miscommunication. Someone might ask a question for clarification, but that really is a benefit that is really hard to deliver when we're talking about a piece of writing. That's so true. it is really in your best interest to make it as clear and exact, but also concise as possible. And yeah. there's a huge amount of skill involved in that. Mm -hmm. And and really, you know, it's funny. I have to pull up my Roger Payne reference because <laughs> <laughs> I think he he mentioned in his recent episode of uh, in the Afro Report podcast yeah. that he himself was trying to write a paper, and for him, he's a established full professor at Johns Hopkins University, but he said it was still hard to write a paper. Right? Does it ever get easier? <laughs> Right, that's that's what I thought. I was like, "Don't you get easy?" Well, but he's he's trying to be the first author. Okay. Like he's 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 really building the the words and paragraphs. Mm -hmm. So what I think is that I I I very much like your point. Um, writing has writing is not visual, like giving a talk. So mm -hmm. you really have to use the words precisely. And express yourself exactly what you want to present yourself, right? And rarely do you do many of drafts of a scientific paper than working on a talk, mm -hmm. right? Because because the 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 amount of change from the first draft to the last final submitting draft is could be drastically different for a paper, mm -hmm. but in terms of a talk, once you set up the flow and everything, you can communicate it. Much better with, um, sort of the real time interaction with your audience. Right, right. Uh huh. Yeah, so I guess that's where it's really different, and um, yeah, definitely. Um, mm -hmm. and I would say there's also a difference between communicating it to other scientists versus communicating it with people outside of your field. Right, right, right. 
So, you know, if you're giving a seminar presentation in your department, a lot of people have that basic knowledge um, of, of, of your discipline. So you don't have to break it down for them as much. Whereas, for example, if you're presenting, let's just say you're a scientist presenting to marketing or mm-hmm. to the management team, you know, what you try to convey might then be different. Yes. Or at and, least the way you present things will be drastically different. And knowing your right. audience, knowing how to mold your talk or whatever you've written to fit them so that they can mm-hmm. understand it, that's a skill in and of itself as well. Yeah, because what's really interesting is that, you, you know, it's just people who non-experts are only interested in results. Right. Um how does it what's the impact of the results right right but then if you're talking to other scientists they're interested in like the technical details they're like oh what is the the pressure what is the psi you use at this step (laughs) (laughs) or like what hplc column do you use like there's different vested interests because once they see your like if it's a familiar topic, right, in, in, in certain fields that, that are very close to what you're working in, when you see the title and you see sort of the abstract, you already got what to expect from the right. results, right? It could be slightly good or bad results, depends on the particular research. But mm-hmm. like if it makes sense, you don't have to know the results and you definitely don't need to know the significance because you know like it should be significant because this would be a paper and may, the title itself explains the significance. Right, right. Like because of the background knowledge that you have had. Yeah. Versus something where it's completely new, then you would really need a lot more time to process the whole yes. discipline yes. and why they use this method, blah, 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 uh-huh. etc. But then, but then for non-experts, they only focus on results and how that can imp- impact their life. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that that is definitely different. Uh-huh. Um, 